0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Tell Great Stories, a podcast that looks back at some of Unbound Theatre's past projects and productions. Today we are discussing two Pinter plays, Betrayal, which was performed in March 2015, and Old Times, which was performed in July 2018 and had a reprisal at Witham Arts Centre later on in November of the same year. My name is Katie Herbert, and I will be speaking with the cast and creative team of both shows. So, over to them to
1: introduce themselves.
2: Hello, I'm Dario Knight. I was the director of Betrayal.
1: Hello, I'm Erica, and I played Emma in Betrayal. Hello,
3: I'm Joe Rothery, and I played Kate in Old Times.
1: Hi, I'm Beatrice
4: Benedict, and I was the director of Old Times.
5: Hi, I'm Robert Aldington, and I played Dealey in Old Times.
0: Lovely. Now, to start, before we get into the actual productions, what was everybody's first experience of Pinter, either as an audience member or as an actor or director? What were your, What were your first impressions of Pinter and his work?
3: Wow.
5: <laughs> so, <laughs> so appropriately, we've started with a pause. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes. we did. We did. <laughs> Silence.
0: Shock, shock and horror. Tough <laughs> question, answer. Katie, tough question. Wow, well, only the tough questions here in this podcast.
1: Thanks. <laughs> I, I remember um, seeing a production of Betrayal when I was at university. I think it was something like the third years we're doing that as an exam piece. And so that was the first time I'd seen a pin to play. And I just thought it was brilliant. And I prom- I remember making myself a promise when I when I saw the play. And I went, God, that's a fantastic part. I want to do that one day. And it took me like nearly 20 years. But yeah, I finally got there in the end.
3: Nice. Yeah, I think I saw um, The Caretaker when I was a student um, at some point. I had no clue what was going on. Um, apart from the, yeah, remembering that it was just very intense, uh, which is probably yeah sums up Pinter really but then the the big one was seeing um Dario and Erica's uh version of Betrayal um at the Queen's Park Centre and that was kind of well life-changing for me I absolutely loved it I thought everything about it was brilliant it was brilliantly staged and acted and I just thought you know what I want to get involved with this group of people and uh join in which is that's, that's what I did after that. I, I wriggled my way in and <laughs> and uh, joined the Unbound crew, and
5: uh, here I am. Well, I think my first uh, Pinter experience was probably doing old times. I, I don't think I'd seen or been in any Pinter before then, but I had discussed it because somebody had approached me telling me that he wanted to direct some Pinter, and then I remember... Uh, Discussing it with another uh, actor who told me that he'd been trained, but he he never really got Pinter. So I, I read a few Pinter plays, and, uh, and 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 realized that probably I didn't get him either. You know, and, and so <laughs> so when it came Surprise. on, to, and then I saw an interview with Pinter <laughs> and realized that actually maybe the whole thing about Pinter is there's actually nothing to get. He has this thing where you need to imagine yourself as a fly on the wall. Uh, You're joining in. uh, You're observing conversations that you don't. He doesn't give you any background to, and you just have to. uh, The joy of it is you is is wondering what the backstories of these people who you're looking at and listening to are. So um, that was uh, my my sort of early impressions.
4: Yeah, I think my my first experience of Pinter, I mean, um, I only read Pinter in the UK. I was not aware of him as a playwright before that because I was heavily involved with the German and Romanian literature, so more more of the Central and Eastern uh, European literature. So it was a breath of fresh air, I would say, when I read Pinter because uh, you can't really describe him or his work. It's sort of like um, looking at snapshots of people's lives, you know, like when you take like one of those black and white pictures in your hand from, from, I don't know, decades ago, you know, you have no clue who who those people are, but you know that those are the people in the picture, you see maybe a house in the background or a garden or anything of the sort, but you can't do anything with it apart from what you see in front of you, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's quite, um, it's liberating, but also there are lots of obstructions when you think about Pinter. And I think the first show I've ever se- seen was, unfor- it wasn't unfortunately, unfor- uh, unfortunately at the uh, uh, at the Queens Park Arts Centre. It was at Harold Pinter Theatre, where, uh, if I remember correctly, Joe, we went to see a birthday party there um, together with, yeah, 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 sort of like a, a research trip for uh, Before Old Times, you know, and. I mean, again, it's, it's literally just describing a scene as an objective viewer. Like, you can't, you can't really, you cannot relate to it, because it's just a snapshot out of a period of time from a, a bunch of people's lives, and that's sort of it, <laughs> I think. Yeah, difficult to explain difficult to explain you have to see a pinter in order to understand a pinter what about you dario
2: uh i think it took me ages to actually end up watching any pinter in in the theaters only a couple of years ago when they did that whole season at the Harold pinter theater of all of his short works i finally got to actually watch some but i'd read a lot of his plays i think the first one was the homecoming i was doing my a-levels and um i just remember it, it it really struck me how how visceral and unsentimental it was um it's a pretty bleak play that one and um, I, yeah, I remember being kind of quite taken with how blunt Pinter was as a writer. It's a very sort of stark and uncompromising way he, he builds a scene and presents things. So I remember that really sticking out. And then I read a few others, including Betrayal and Old Times and, and stuff. So it was, yeah, it's from reading his plays that I really remember first, first encountering him.
0: And so moving on to specific things then, Dario, for those who haven't seen Betrayal, Can you explain what the play's about and why you chose it as Unbound's first production?
2: So uh, the play is a a three-hander for the most part. It's about a married couple, uh, Emma, played by Erica, and Robert, and Robert's best friend, Jerry, who's having an affair with Emma. And the play takes you through basically the entirety of that affair in a series of things about eight or nine scenes from across a a 10-year period. Um, but famously it tells the story in reverse so each scene or occasionally a little sequence of scenes jumps back in time the first scenes uh quite a while after the affair is finished and Emma and jerry meet up again in a pub and then the last scene of the play is the first night the affair happened um you know nearly a decade before so the reason for picking it was it was the first play i directed and um so i wanted something that had a small cast which meant i could really just focus on working with the actors on the script instead of having to coordinate umpteen scene changes and fight sequences and 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 anything like that and i really liked betrayal because i think it's quite unique amongst pinter's work in that it still has that quite stern economy of dialogue but it's i find that one really moving and actually having said he was unsentimental i think he's he's quite sentimental in a way in betrayal in a way that a lot of his other plays aren't um there's a kind of vulnerability to it which you don't often associate with pinter possibly because it uh, I think it's sort of generally taken that it was semi autobiographical about uh, an affair he had um, in the sixties. Uh, plus, being Pinter, you know, it's got a good audience appeal. You you always have to be one eye on doing something people are going to want to come and watch, and people have heard of Pinter, so it's uh, uh, it's it's a bankable one. But it's also unconventional. It's it's um, something that's a bit challenging and a bit different to doing your sort of average village hall, middle of the road, kitchen sink drama. So yeah it was a it was an interesting one to start with but a, a really exciting one to be your first play.
0: And I mean Erica given this reverse chronology of the play what what are the challenges and rewards in performing a character's story arc
1: in reverse? Um I really enjoyed being able to play Emma and um with the reverse chronology um I suppose my sort of instinctive possibly rather f- flippant comment would be um costumes and makeup because I remember <laughs> 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 because um, at point. the start at the start of the play she's uh, older and has been up all night in tears and Dario had me sitting in front of the audience um by myself as as the audience came in so I think I was there for like 10-15 minutes um just sitting on stage um so i didn't get all that extra time in the dressing room and so i made the decision that because of that her makeup would be very very minimal i didn't really have i don't think i even have foundation on or anything like that even just like the bare minimum lipstick to make myself look um and i was also i was playing at the time that i was playing emma um i needed to slightly up her age to start with and then obviously she at some point in the middle she met my own age and then we went backwards um So I wanted to make myself look as old and a bit more haggard and drawn as I could. So I chose not to put any makeup on for the the opening scene other than maybe just a bit of lipstick or something. And then as the play went on, I always always remember this one as costume changes. So the boys, for their costume changes to show the jumps in time or, or anything like that or jumps of scene, would change a jacket, maybe take their ties off... Um, (gasps) Oh, I know. Me, I had.
5: Outrageous. (laughs) Two ties in one
2: production. (laughs) (laughs) Especially in those days, we had no money. Good heavens.
1: (laughs) And I remember I had complete costume changes between every single scene. Oh, and and also I redid my hair and my makeup to, to make myself look younger. So I would finish a scene, I would go off, the boys would kind of come lounging on and I would be frantically getting changed and then either redoing my hair and adding more makeup. So by the final scene, which is, um, it's like a dinner party, Um, very very famously I think I actually had in between the scene before ending and this one starting I think I had two lines of dialogue to get out of one costume and then get into a full evening gown oh Oh my goodness so I remember racing, trying to do my makeup for the scene previously so that I would literally just run off and get into this evening gown and Mm. you know your story arc as an actor you tend to kind of go along with the emotions of of the character, and as it goes on, if they're having like a really massive emotional journey, as an actor, you you become you you find that tiredness and that you know emotional strength sort of draining if they if that's their story arc during the end. Um, mm. But for this way around, I had to start drained and then be incredibly energized by the end so I'm kind of fighting trying to build up all of that performance energy to get through each scene and the tension it's it's one of the beauties of this play the tension just rises and rises and rises where you see how it all began and where it all went wrong um so there are high points and there are low points and everything so um the 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 challenge was definitely reversing what you would possibly call your journey's energy Uh, if that makes mm, sense uh. so you know you would automatically, she starts as a bright young thing. She gets swept off her feet. The affair starts, the affair happens. Oh no, something happens and it goes a bit wrong. And then we get the big trauma and then we get the aftermath and is almost like an epilogue where in fact we start with this very sedate epilogue and it just builds and builds and builds to this climax. And there's like a break. And then we see how it, how the relationship shifts between all three characters. Mm Um, and it's one of the reasons why I love that play so much. Um, though. Yeah. Um, Dario
0: how do you maintain the tension in a play where we know the ending straight away
2: Oh it, it all comes down to the makeup of the <laughs> 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 It was all it was no, all about that mean, evening gown
1: wasn't it yeah. what it really
2: was It was yes yeah, so if you've got a good evening gown the play is absolutely sold <laughs> um, The promise of that evening gown <laughs> Yeah uh I I think the key to it is Uh, is inevitability so that's what replaces the tension of wondering how's the how's how's the affair going to end and what happens when the husband finds out because you already know all that stuff by the time you get to the end of the play um it kind of exemplifies that notion of life's only understood properly when it's looked at in reverse so as long as you can really convey the the wreckage of that affair and at the start of the play and how difficult the unraveling of it all was if that comes across really palpably at the beginning and really affectingly then when you reach the scenes at the end of the play where the relationship and then the affair is just beginning you get this really strong sense of wanting to stop it and wanting to intervene there's that urge to to stop them going down that path it's a little bit like a sliding doors moment isn't it
1: didn't we get Mm. gasps at the kiss
2: I think we did, yeah, I have to admit my my memories of betrayal are are hazy <laughs> it, was, it was how how six years ago now, which is not a grand amount of time, but given all the things we've done in the in the interim, it feels like a lifetime ago mm. but um yeah i I remember that scene sort of uh, it ends with this kind of enormous monologue from uh Jerry while he declares his love for for um for Emma, and yeah, they were I think people were a little bit shocked, which is surprising when you think they know. It's it's not a surprise they're about to have an affair, but I think the way it happens in the play, it's at a party, and Robert, the husband, is somewhere you're made to believe just outside the door. He could walk in at any moment, and again, it's really funny that people get that sense of jeopardy because you know how he finds out about the affair. It comes up in an earlier scene, so it's um it's strange how people uh, how audiences still find it really affecting and really tense.
3: Yeah, that's really interesting because yeah, I think each scene you can be in that moment with the with the characters and uh, yeah I'm pretty yeah. sure I gasped for sure
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: you gasped
5: but did, did you inhale
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah so I mean other than the kiss I mean do you have abiding memories either of you of the play and I mean how did you find reprising a scene from and the at the fifth anniversary show in 2019
2: I think the fact that it is your first as a director means that um, fear is kind of a fueling factor through most of it. So my abiding memory is is wanting to make sure that the end result was good and that you didn't let everyone down, that was involved, um, because obviously you're finding your way as a director. So relief actually is my abiding memory because we got a lot of great feedback, including Joe gasping in the audience. <laughs> um, we knew we'd done well when she gasped. Um, so I remember the thing—the relief of knowing you d- you had not dropped the ball, um, but I I remember it being a lot of fun. The rehearsals, we were talking about this, uh, with with when we talk about Macbeth, um, the even for a play it's very serious and doesn't have a huge amount of comedy in it. The rehearsals were hilariously fun, um, and it's kind of the best way to start out as a director because it, it helps build a sense of um, you know bon army. It was kind of we were still building the company at that time, and it was a really good, really good start.
0: Yeah. So, Erica, have you got any particular memories from that production?
1: Oh, I've got, I've got a few. Um, I think it's um, this production is uh, is one that I remember um, very, very fondly for all, for all kinds of reasons. I think my abiding memory is it that the, without it, I wouldn't actually have a voice work career because um, it was during this production that one of our other cast members, um, David, kind of helped me onto my other my other sort of uh, voice and audio work so i'm very very grateful for the fact that we got to work together on this show because without that then my life might be very very different um i also remember as dario says a lot of fun uh we we developed a lot of sort of uh in-house catchphrases related to the show um that were like half lines before the infamous pauses would strike us um, well they all ended we'd... up on
2: t-shirts didn't they
1: They did all end up on T-shirts and would would regularly set us all off into giggles for no apparent reason at all. Um, (laughs) I think we also started the great unbound tradition of including the joy of pottery as um, a a vital prop (laughs) that must be in every production ever since.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The technique of pottery. Oh, I'm so sorry. sorry. (gasps) The
1: technique of pottery. Um, And yeah, because I think there's a photo of me reading from that book and we hadn't got the prop dust jacket for the production photos at the time, so <laughs> I'm just sitting there <laughs> reading this knackered pottery yeah. book.
2: Deeply engrossed. <laughs> Deeply to learn oh that absolutely.
1: Book. <laughs> yes. Um uh, yeah, so I do I do remember it being a lot of a lot of fun um at the time. And then um coming back to it, I was working with Andy on on the opening scene and in and in some ways it was a little bit like art mimicking life because we hadn't seen each other for a few years since we'd done this play and then all of a sudden we're doing the same scene where we haven't seen each other for a while (laughs) and there's that bit of we'd obviously developed a really good working relationship whilst working on the play and then um haven't seen each other for a while and then we're coming back to do those scenes again and um yeah that 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 was it was really really good to be able to to go back to those lines once more and um, even coming coming back to them with a, a you know a little bit more maturity, I think was was great. It's, it was always wonderful to be able to revisit a role.
2: Yeah, I and mean, it was it was really odd in a way because so much had changed in Unbound in the sort of four and a half years between when we stu mm, we actually did yeah. Betrayal and when we did the anniversary, and there we were, you know, Erica, Andy, and I recreating something surrounded by this massive community of actors and writers and directors and artists who'd kind of grown up in the years that followed what we've done with Betrayal so it was really nice it was was a nice reminder of how it started and and what it all led to as well really
0: and did you say Daria, that we have some thoughts from Andy as well
2: we do yes he sends his apologies he can't join us for the recording but very kindly Andy has recorded uh, a few thoughts and a few memories about the production which by the magic of editing (laughs) we shall now hear
6: Hi everyone, so I'm Andy Holmes and I played the part of Jerry in Betrayal. Um, i love to have been with you all today for recording this podcast, but unfortunately as we speak, I'm not playing squash, I'm probably playing cricket somewhere, so uh, I can't be with you today, but I've decided to record a few thoughts on how it all was for me. Um, definitely the best thing I've ever done, even though And here's a line from the play, it all seems such a long time ago now. I think for me, I'd done quite a lot of amateur stuff before that and I think I was at a point where I wanted to be an actor So working with someone like Erica was a real step up and a real reminder of the fact that there was probably quite a long way to go in that. But I I learned so much from her, learned a lot about acting on stage and just had a really, really good time. And I think we had good chemistry on stage and I think we worked pretty well off stage as well. So that was really good. Dario as well, as our director, I still call him O-director now when I see him. He was the world's calmest man, really good to work with, just so serene, even though, you know, in every production, there are stressful moments, but he was just so calm and really good to work with. Ben as well, who played Robert, my best friend. He was a good bloke. It was nice to work with him. And David as well, who just came in as the waiter and only had a handful of lines, really, but almost stole every scene he was in. Damn him. But no, it was a really, really good to work with those people. Um, The production itself, I remember the T-shirts. We got T-shirts printed which had lines that had made us laugh from the play and it wasn't like amazingly brilliant harold pinter comedy lines or anything like that but it was things like by and when and traffico and it all and we all wore those t-shirts and they it just tickled us at the time probably one of those where you had to be there but i've got a wonderful picture of of all of us wearing those so that was nice in the album the production on the nights itself was really good it was a lot of lines to learn and sometimes my brain goes in funny directions. Only happened once in this particular production and that was when I had a moment when my best mate was in the audience and we both really like Alan Partridge. So I think it was the dinner party scene when I was my character was talking to Robert, played by Ben, and for some reason I said the line, The mind plays tricks, which is an Alan Partridge line and I've no idea where it came from. Certainly not in Harold Pinter's original script. But uh, that came out on the night, which was interesting. I've been lucky enough recently to see footage of our performance as well. I think someone recorded it at the time. And it was kind of out there. And during lockdown, I was able to get hold of it. And you know what? I've as I said I've done quite a lot of bits and bobs and I'm quite good at being myself on stage with my day job I have to be myself and, and perform you know either on camera or on radio or whatever but you know there's actually bits where some acting breaks out on my behalf especially scene 9 at the end I'm actually really proud of my performance in that and I think we put on a really good whole performance because with amateur stuff you don't always know how it's going to go but I think we did a pretty good job and looking back on it, well, obviously we, we reprised the uh, the scene as a part of a five year celebration of, of the work done at at the at the theatre in, in 2019 and me and Erica did the first scene and that was really enjoyable apart from the one moment where we both at the same time forgot our lines and we just stared at each other for what seemed like an eternity it was probably only seconds. Luckily Pinter's all about the pauses anyway so I think we got away with it but I really enjoyed doing it. It was really great to get back together with Dario and Erica for this. And to be honest, it's probably the highlight of my acting career to have done this. And, uh, you know, if, if at any point in the future we want to do all this again, I would love to, as long as I'm not playing squash. Right.
0: So on to the big question regarding Pinter. Pauses. What are everybody's approach to Pinter's pauses as actors and directors? What happens in that pause? Oh goodness!
5: Well, for me, it depends what kind of pause it is.
0: Oh, here we go. Here we preach, Rob. Preach. Because,
5: because, because sometimes you're 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 given a pause. And you and you are going to say the next line, and the next line follows logically from the previous line. So that's a pretty straightforward pause, the kind of pause that I would like to do. Just now, in, in that example. Don't but, edit that, Gareth. But the other, <laughs> the other pause, the other pauses, which seem to strike at random in the script they need special treatment and my own personal my own personal approach to the the stealth pauses if you like the ones that just appear uh, my <laughs> my word. approach is don't be the person on stage that looks like they're they're about to say something so my approach <laughs> with those <laughs> is do Not anything clever. or nothing but don't look like you're about to speak but that's my own little giveaway there. But that's I a the, good tip. the I joy like the thing the thing that I really like about them is no one knows what's going to happen next, and and so I do my best to try and not spoil that suspense.
3: Yeah, I think uh, uh, sort of yeah along the same lines as as Rob there. Um, in rehearsals, it's interesting because you're never quite sure whether the pause is because the person, the other person's forgotten their lines or, you know, so you're kind of, you're kind of like politely waiting, like, uh, is, is, can we proceed now? Um, but it, yeah, in performance, it's it's just so strange because some things, like you say, are random. The, the pause is, often you might think it's somebody's thought process thinking about what they're going to say next, but it doesn't always work like that. And uh like you say, the what I was trying to focus on was not think about the next line. That if it was if it was my line that was coming next, you had to sort of like just be lost for a moment in that silence. Yeah.
5: Otherwise you look like you're waiting yes, to say
3: it. Exactly. Yeah. Or yeah. and you didn't dare and I just remember B directing us, oh gosh, you say, yeah, that's great, pause as soon as you think it's time to start speaking, wait another few seconds before you, because the pause yeah, isn't that's, long that's enough. A key thing. Yeah, and on that's, stage, that's a, yeah, it actually yeah. feels like such a long time. Yeah. And, and you've got to
5: make it feel painful, haven't you, for it to be a real one.
3: Yeah. And it can be quite painful when you're, you know, the silence on stage is, yeah.
5: But you, you need to feel like you can cut it with a, a knife by the time. you.
3: Yeah. I, I think it's, it's very, very tricky. I,
4: I, I... Yeah, I like I like the fact that you brought it up because that's exactly how I pers- perceive Pinterest pauses. Um, when you think that you had enough of your silence, just think another two seconds, and that's when it comes. Yeah, and it's it is definitely like um, I think in those uh, by practicing uh, rehearse uh, rehearsing um, those pauses. I think that's one of the best crafts or methods. An actor, an actress can uh, improve their crafts because literally they have to be present in time and space in those moments to feel the moment, feel your other partner, feel the public, feel themselves, all in those a few seconds, you know, which feel like an eternity. But what when you get it right, honestly, you can you can sense the audience going like, oh, and you have like, you know, you you go like all goosebumps and everything because they were not expecting it. It's like literally that surprise effect, Rob, that you were mentioning just before.
5: Yeah, I think it's possibly Pinter's, maybe it's his unique gift to literature Mm. that that it is such a powerful thing. You know, there, there isn't really a pause in old times where you're thinking, oh, that was a waste of pause. You know, why did we have a pause there? You know, they all actually lend weight and give power to the piece. You never have a pause and then think, oh, why, well, what was the point of that? You know, even though you don't know what the point of it was. <laughs> it's a kind of weird thing. It is just, you know, they just are naturally meant to be there.
0: What about our betrayal, guys? What do you guys think?
2: I I possibly have to hand in my director's license for this one. I I think too much is made of them. <laughs> if, in all honesty, I think quite often I think they're there just to try and pace the dialogue out a bit. Um, I think Pinter was slightly he was, well, he was very ahead of his time in terms of trying to reproduce naturalistic speech patterns in text. Other writers like Carol Churchill have come along and and done it in a very different way. Mm. Um, but I think a lot of the time he's just trying to tell you to slow a scene down. My take, having directed Betrayal, and we did, we did um The Caretaker as well as a, an audio play, I think you do need to try and understand what happens in all of them and, and why they are there. I think as much as you can fill in the gap... Um, Is going to help you whether it's avoidance on the part of a character whether it's one character trying to make the other uncomfortable which is often what silence can be used for on stage it might be the aftermath of a uh, an argument or a big turning point or a revelation in a scene so for me and my approach was that you you did need to work out what's going on the in the mind of every character during that pause it's not just the one who's pausing between two bits of dialogue or waiting for their dialogue to come in I think in any of those moments you need to know what all the characters are thinking and I don't really prescribe to the notion of them having fixed lengths either there I there I'm sure there is a someone has written about uh, again these many essays about punctuation pauses there's th- there are three <laughs> levels of the pause there is the beat the pause and the silence and I'm sure someone kind of advised how long each should be in terms of seconds which I think is is thoroughly unartistic um because then you're just focusing on the pause and how, is, it, yeah. long enough? is yeah. it long enough? Four <laughs> seconds? Has that been four seconds? Five seconds? I don't know. Um, was this a beat, a pause, or a silence? I can't remember. And then you're not really thinking about the scene you're in. Um, so my, again, possibly um, <laughs> contentious point is they take as long as they take. As long as you are conveying the emotion of the scene and, and, and representing why Pinter wants you to slow down, effectively, is what he's doing each time, then... Yeah, my, my my principle is take it as it comes. Mm. But as I say, that's um, I admit I'm probably not uh, I th- in the majority I, I opinion. Think it,
5: I think each one does have uh, an ideal length in the sense of the piece. There's definitely a point where you come to when you're on Ooh, stage yeah. in your own mind of yes, that's enough. But and I, but I think B's technique of well, add another couple of seconds on. Is 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 good because I think that does account for the fact that your mind is racing when you're on stage and oh, yeah, and time for you is going faster when you are say nothing. Yes, yeah, so that's because you're. And that's, I,
2: I, I don't think that's. I don't think that's necessarily to do with the rhythm of the player. That's just about, about combating that slightly um, problematic performance technique of as soon as there is a silence you panic.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah, I think that's more about making sure that yeah, it's like it, that's more about don't rush your performance rather than interpreting yeah. the, the yeah. pause. And that is good advice because. Um, particularly when you're alone on stage you do hurtle through things because you're sort of terrified of <laughs> no one wants to be the one person alone on stage when something goes wrong <laughs> um, but yeah I, I think you have just got to fill in the gap for for what you think goes on whether it's a change of thought or a, some of the characters mulling something over or taking something in or calculating their next move and quite often in Pinter characters are definitely calculating what they're going to do next mm. Um let it play out, give yourself the time and then as soon as you feel you've had that thought in your head press on.
4: Yeah, that's exactly I mean, uh, just bridging over there a bit Dario, that's exactly how we we worked on old times as well, we we were like we analysed every single page of that, of, of that play, uh, and discussing about those silences and about those pauses. And there were many places where we said, no, this is not necessary. We'll just bend it a bit, you know, or mm, he has, he, he's right here. I mean, we don't, we might not get it, but for the rhythm of the entire production of or the entire play it is necessary so it is definitely I think it's very important to have like a uh, from the very beginning sort of a, a honest conversation about the the writing itself an honest conversation with the actors rather than the director being like no this is how I want it and this is this is this is it this is how we'll do it you know it's it's like it's a give and take it's a tango you can't you know I don't think it, that the pinter that's my personal opinion, though. I don't think winter can be staged without uh, a in-depth conversation with your cast and crew.
2: Oh, absolutely, because he he gives you so many blanks you've got to fill in. But yeah, I think that's possibly some people think that because there's a pause, you must by needs give it a long gap, and you go actually sometimes a pause just needs to be a, a slight a moment just to catch mm. a glance mm-hmm. across. Yeah, I mean So yeah, if any any director's setting out with them, don't don't feel like you have to follow that thing of, oh, it's a pause. It must be longer than the beat and it must be shorter than the silence. Do what feels natural yeah. to you. Yeah,
5: I mean there's certainly plenty of times where the pause is in the middle of things that you're saying and it's obvious why you're why you're pausing and, and there's a like all others, is a natural time for how long it's gonna it's gonna last. Oh before yeah. you start looking like you've forgotten your lines.
4: Absolutely. <laughs> I mean I think <laughs> You're yeah, you're you're um, you're right, Dari. I think for anyone who wants to direct a pinter just trust your gut feeling. I think that's like that should be your your northern star. That's like trust your gut feeling and your instincts because they're mostly right.
2: We used to joke when we were doing betrayal that. um because Pinter is still under copyright and licensed and you have to follow all the terms of the license, we always joke there'll be someone from Samuel French sat at the back of the audience with a stopwatch. <laughs> if, you, if you missed one of the pauses, there'd be a fight.
5: <laughs>
1: for, for me playing Emma, I think um, for a lot of it, uh, uh, my head... was was filling in a lot of the gaps because I had this constant internal monologue that was racing through a lot of things and it was um, what she was saying and a lot of it was what she wasn't saying in terms of her aspirations, her relationships and all sorts of things and how she felt in scenes and, and when there were pauses from the other characters there's the there's the infamous Tortello scene that we talked about like how how violent potentially is her husband towards her has this happened before um the tension building as to where this could go and in those gaps and in those silences i've got this um rising fear going on and there are looks between uh, myself and, and uh, ben who is playing my husband and and that was that was what was going on in that scene, and then um we mentioned the 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 funny catchphrases that ended up on t shirts um mine was it all dot 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 or it all seems dot 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 and it was an exercise that Dario did with us where he asked us to continue the thought that the characters we were in rehearsals, and um he just said, "Just just carry on, say what the character really thinks, and purely spontaneously. I ended up by literally going on like a four minute monologue rant <sighs> as to what Emma was going through at the time. And the rest of the cast are like, as I'm still going and still talking and it's all, all of these emotions are just tumbling out of my mouth and my brain is not stopping. And I'm looking at Dario and Daria's slightly open mouth. I'm looking at the other cast and they're like going, where, the hell, where is this all going? Um, and it all, just everything about Emma just came out. And that again all of all of that um emotional connection, I suppose, is what I held in when I came to do those lines. It's like it all seems and she drifts off, but in my head, I am literally thinking and replaying that entire cathartic moment that we'd had in rehearsals, and I think I carried on similar things throughout the whole play that what she says out loud. It's like you know, it's like the image of, of the swan on the surface of the water, very, very slow, gliding across the surface of the water and underneath the little legs are going like nine <coughs> to the dozen. So all of that tension is what drives or what certainly drove me as an actor and in my portrayal of, of Emma through the the pauses and things.
0: Right. Now B. Can you describe the plot of old times? Oh. Um can you can you basically describe the premise of the play? How you came to work on it, and what intrigued you most about it as a director?
2: Good luck, Bea. Oh Yeah, <laughs>
0: Thank a you. bit of a challenge, not easy. Maybe, maybe leave I the, believe in you, B.
5: Maybe leave the you. maybe leave the plot bit till last. I
0: will, yeah. <laughs> Robert. Rob, I shall take
4: your advice. I will leave the plot out. I think it is a spoiler, so people should go and watch it. You know? Good point. Good point. <laughs> um, well, I. If I was fortunate enough to be asked by Dario to to direct this play, and clearly enough, I wasn't aware what I'm going to, do. <laughs> uh, what what sort of a challenge it would be, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I am incredibly grateful for it because I think that was that play was the play that sort of formed my my um working methods for it working way creative working way as a director you know it's always like that experience always uh, with, with every other um, show that I've done that experience of directing old time was uh, old times was uh, um, crucial yeah crucial for my development Um as for the uh, a synopsis shall we say <laughs> well it, it's it's <laughs> Again, it's a three-hander. We have Anna, we have Katie, and we have uh, Dealey. Anna and Kate uh, were very good friends when uh, they were younger. Dealey has no clue whatsoever how good of a friend they were. So obviously, when um, uh, Anna shows up, it's all a bit um, awkward and all a bit, well, I'm not sure what to talk about and how to talk with her because I've never met this person before. But then, obviously, in the uh, in the uh, exchange of, uh, of of thoughts and memories and stuff, I think Dealey sort of sent uh, puts some puzzle pieces together. But it sort of feels like each character has its own puzzle. And it doesn't come up to anything mutual. So it sort of feels like we're talking, <laughs> like there are three people in one room having three completely different images of what's actually happened in their past and in their present. It was, um, it was a challenge, but it was a good challenge. Yeah. Um, and Emily and Joe, uh, their, their interaction was really strong. Really strong, and they bounced off each other really well uh, throughout the entire play. And Dealey was sort of like I—I I would see Dealey like the outsider in this entire thing, and uh, but but Rob really bounced off them as well, and uh, bounced off their work, uh, their um, connection, and their relationship really well. Um, obviously, I've used the set to help me <laughs> create the atmosphere and the mood. <laughs> i went for like a, a 70s vibe. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of discussion. As I said before, I mentioned before, there was a lot of discussion. We, we, we've we discussed, analyzed, we went over, had some pints, talked more about Pinter. You know, all those bohemian things that you do when you discuss <laughs> Pinter, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah um it's it's a three-hander it's about the past the the present describing the past and influencing the future
0: of three people well done thank you yeah (laughs) 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 now joe and rob um as old times is quite abstract i mean how do you approach dialogue that's more stylized and and characters that aren't always easy to interpret
3: well yes that (laughs) it was a challenge but um as as b just said the we had lots and lots of very detailed discussions uh, about who these people are you know who your character is where they're coming from um b did She set up loads of workshops for us, actually, uh, which were really helpful. Um, You know, we were we had to sort of try and reenact what we were doing that morning. Like so. So the scenario is that um, Dealey and Kate are are waiting for Anna to arrive. So what would they have done that morning? Um, And that was really cool uh, because we were creating a real strong atmosphere and a strong uh, relationship sort of you you know you could be really settled in knowing where you were in the relationship and what you were hoping to happen when Anna arrived etc etc so um and we I loved working in the set as well with with the 70s stuff and we'd done a lot of research on music so we had uh Simon and Garfunkel yeah. uh track which so we couldn't believe lyrically it fit so perfectly um so yes, we, it was
4: sorry sorry to interrupt but that, that was so, like that set the mood so well you know and it was just because we were talking okay what sort of music can influence this uh, the, the atmosphere of the play itself and then obviously Joe you um, you came up with some some ideas and amongst them were it was Simon and Garfunkel you know and as we uh, as we listened to it like the lyrics and the mood and everything mm. we were just like this cannot this cannot be this this just fits like like a glove
3: yeah, yep, it real. was almost as if yeah they they well they read read each other's minds. Um, so yeah, it was it it was extremely re- extremely challenging. I have to say that Kate, the character of Kate's is so she's so random, and you can't you're not quite sure what her, her motives are. It's and and a lot of the things she says are so abstract. Uh, you know as an actor it's you normally like Erica was saying you're finding a journey you're finding a motivation for everything but Kate's just you know her brain doesn't seem to work that way and she she kind of picks random thoughts out of the air that don't seem to be related to what anybody else has said which when you're trying to learn your lines as well that's kind of challenging because normally you can you know you think oh well when Rob says this or you know, you, you know what you're going to say next, but there was there'd be a little pause, and then, then I'd say something like, "Oh, it was nice at the beach earlier, wasn't it?" Like, oh, whatever. Um, so I get we just had to we had to just work our socks off really to try and and get there, and hopefully, um, hopefully somebody understood it or enjoyed it at some level. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: sure. I'm, yeah. I'm sure we did. And Rob.
5: Yeah, well, I suppose. Um, well, trying trying to be word perfect was the first first thing, um, and then trying to understand what the hell, why the hell I was saying what I was what I was saying. Um, uh, but Dealey, I, I, I think I think of the three characters, Dealey is the he's the he's the simplest to me because he he has these kind of. Um, uh, it's clear to me that he's he seems kind of threatened by the relationship between the two between the two women, in the in the piece, and uh, and he has these kind of, these kind of uh, angry rants at times. He tells stories about when he was a kid and going to buy his first bicycle or well, a tricycle or whatever it was, uh, going to, going to the cinema and seeing Kate for the first time or, or whatever. So he has these kind of stories that he that he tells um and he's um uh as i say i think when uh when anna comes along as a visitor he he's he's i think he's threatened by by uh by her, her presence and her closeness to to kate and um uh so it's um i think he's a whereas kate is a very she's quite a dreamy character as i as i recall and and you know, lives in a, her own world, and then, and that leads you to ask, well, why does she live in her own kind of world like that? And is Deeley kind of gaslighting her, or you know, is there something going on? There's just some reason they're in this farmhouse together. Um, why hasn't she got many friends? And and uh, you know, it, it stimulates all kinds of uh, thoughts.
0: And I mean, did you, did any of you, did you make up your mind about what the ending of the play means? Or did you prefer to leave it ambiguous? Did you talk to each other about it? Or
5: no, I think we just ran out of pages, didn't we? we got <laughs> the last page was, and, 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 and B said, "Yeah, that, that's it." get off.
4: That's B- it, guys. <laughs> out into the back.
5: We we did. It doesn't really. Um, it does have an ending, doesn't it, B? But we didn't really. Ooh, um, we. There's the business where I wander around and sit on on beds in turn, and uh...
4: we've left it. We didn't really, yeah. as far as I can remember, I didn't really want to give it an end, like a proper end. You know, it was open ended for me personally. And obviously, uh, I did instruct uh, Emily and Joe and and Rob to to, to sort of uh, come up with their own ending, like on a, on a cognitive level. Yeah, so like think about it. But mm. the way we've ended it it was actually all as it started <laughs> you know yeah, I mean, it was it, it was just it was just a snapshot of of the lives of three people and what happened it was just like looking at it as as rob said uh, just a bit earlier you know go into a pub and you listen to a conversation but you have no you don't know what the background is what the context is it was mm-hmm. literally that you were just he was just um going on a journey with three characters, but then leaving that journey and that that was it,
5: yeah, I mean, the play starts with with the answer to a question, and we don't know what the question is so and and so the end is like the start actually yeah. and and it's almost like the audience are ju- we're just switching off the light and 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 other stuff's gonna happen but but that's not part of this play, you know. It was
4: yeah, yeah. It, it is a bit like you know like when you watch tally and you you tune into a movie or something watch 5 minutes of it and you just carry on you know and that's it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that's how I, like that's sort of how I I've, I've imagined it where, like I, it doesn't come to
5: it. a it doesn't Mm-mm. come to a dramatic con- conclusion Mm-mm. the play does it just it didn't need it
4: up. it didn't need it that would have gone against pinters P- pinters play you know in my opinion
3: yeah i think kate, for my character kate she she does have a kind of a a bit of a moment at the end mm. there where she she launches into this you know uh, uh, not typical for her a uh, bit of a rant and i think um it's very disturbing uh her little speech at the end is is mm. very out of out of the ordinary yeah and so I had to, in my head, I, that was kind of like a big thing for her, a big ending for her. With She finally was sort of either saying the truth or she'd finally lost her mind completely, which, you know, you're not quite sure what. But um, And I think Kate believed that she'd, she'd murdered someone, uh, whether that was Anna or whether it was a part of herself. But I think for, you know, I think Pinter famously said in his original to his original cast, um when he was asked about the ending, he just said, I don't know, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh. you know, when you read that you think, Oh, okay, all right, I'm just and like you say, we just yeah we just did yeah. our, just it, just did it.
5: I loved it as a play though. It just I yeah, just, was just I fantastically it. atmospheric. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. You know, it was like a well. challenge but it was such a delight to work on. yeah i would definitely embark on another pinter journey at one point but i needed at that point i I even said i don't want to see pinter for another two years at least (laughs)
5: let me look at at these dates again uh yeah (laughs) july 2018 yeah your time's up i know (laughs) in fact you're overdue
0: i know
4: know. oh you can
5: blame you can blame COVID. i can blame blame
0: COVID. COVID. yeah have you have you guys got any standout memories of the production? Any anecdotes? Anything that you remember about it?
3: I remember having to smoke my first cigarette. That was a that was a bit of a disaster. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I had to. I was thinking, wow. oh well, maybe we because there's so much smoking in that in that play. Um, it is. Yeah. And I thought, well, yeah, I could give it a try. I'll, I'll try a herbal cigarette. And the, yeah, Queens Park Arts Centre. The place uh, in the car park, with me, me coughing and <laughs> spluttering. Uh, a,
0: oh, Joe! I know
3: it was disgusting. So we, be kindly said, um, no. Let us have Kate trying to give up smoking for this one. And every time she, <laughs> every time I'm offered a cigarette, just decline politely, you know. So we we yeah. we managed to get away with it that way. Um, no, but uh, it was yeah. It was it was re- I, I remember eating a lot as well. Yes. Um, we had a lovely lasagna, didn't we, B? <laughs> One of them. We went to Tesco's and we, we, we just tucked into that to give it a sense of authentic, authenticity. Uh, but no, lots of fun memories, actually. We had a great time. Yeah,
5: yeah I just remember pouring, pouring lots of drinks and uh, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a proper actor sort of way.
4: Yeah, yeah. I remember at Wickham, we set up the table and we literally ate there because we didn't eat anything that that day. I didn't eat anything that day. I was so hungry. So I said, like, well, you know, it needs to be part of the decor anyway. So let's just uh, let's just <laughs> let's just eat, the uh, let's just eat <laughs> on the set. You know, and we've left Clever. it as it
0: was. <laughs> but it was really good. <laughs> yeah. Right, and finally. Is there another Pinter play that any of you would like to work on? and uh, Or, I mean, if you were visiting the two plays that you've done, would you approach them differently?
2: I don't know. I don't have a particularly encyclopedic knowledge of Pinter, I have to confess. Um, I probably know about half a dozen plays. I really enjoyed working on The Caretaker, which um, Rob and I did with Andy, Shaw and Gareth as a an audio production for Calibre Audio Library a couple of years hmm. ago. So that was good fun. I think it might be fun to do that on stage. Um, or maybe the homecoming, seeing as that was the one I I first read. Might be interested to go back to that because I haven't read it in years.
5: Yeah, I'd like to do something like that, or, or uh, the birthday party. Maybe I'd like to do some something that's good in full length. Uh, you know, because Pinter's done quite a few short ones, hasn't he? Uh, I think if you is it like if you look at something like the dumb waiter, or some of these are they're relatively um. short, but. But the birthday party is quite a nice, big, meaty, meaty play. But I'd be happy to be in any pinch again. I think it's. Uh, I, I just love the ways he writes, and uh, um, and I like the fact they're they're modern setting. Although some of the language use can be uh, difficult for people to. Uh, what do we have? To, what warning do we have to put on? It's from yesteryear or something. What's the wording, Dario, that we have to use? Um, Warning contains Pinter. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
5: Warning contains pause. Pinter.
0: <laughs> what about the ladies?
5: Well, no, um, never, ag- oh. never again
2: then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hint taken. Uh, thank yeah. You. Okay. Fair All right.
5: Moving on. No, no, um, I'm not. Fa- I'm no. not
3: that again. I'm not that familiar with. With. Uh, I haven't seen enough plays to. Of pinter to be uh to have a definite role in mind i mean we talked about perhaps um putting old times on, on again and maybe i could play the part of anna because uh, that might be quite interesting as a little experiment mm-hmm. uh, because you know you could argue that anna and kate are two aspects of one person so mm-hmm. that might be nice to explore but apart from that i i can't think of anything
1: yeah, again, I don't really... I, I don't sort of have much um, knowledge of, of Pinter um, beyond either what I've seen or done at university or any of the stuff that I've read. I do know that Betrayal is, is definitely one of my favourite plays in general. So if there was any chance to do Betrayal again, I would absolutely jump at the chance to, to do that. Um, mm. And And as I say, I think... Being again a little bit more older and approaching, approaching the the sort of like the passage of time that's a very constant theme within the play, with a a bit more maturity, I think would be quite interesting as well. Um, So yeah, any other any other chance to do to play Emma again um, would be would be fantastic. I'd love to do that. Um, But other plays, I'm really not that that familiar with them I think the only other one that I did at university was a very short one called Party Time and I played this very very random older woman who's potentially part of some sort of gang mafia type head, head show type person which is really really weird and bizarre <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think oh, I only got. It seems quite fun. It's, and, and the thing is that when you say party time, people automatically go, oh, you mean the birthday party? It's like, no, 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 no. This is a really, it's a really little known one because I think it, it is, it's a very, very short one because we had to do it at university and it must be, must be half an hour, if not less. And Mm. um, it's got a really big cast and it's set at a party and no one knows really why the party is happening or other. And there's this old woman who spends most of the time just sitting in a chair. But there's sort of undertones that she's some kind of, I don't know, I think when we talked about it as students, she's some kind of criminal overlord or something. And she's pulling the strings of other things that are going on um so you know that might be a one to go back to and find out what actually is going on in that one um because as i say you know that that was at university so that's you know, <laughs> know how is now. Um, so yeah so maybe if we could look back at party time and and if the mystery of the 20 year old mystery of that could be revealed to me that would be quite nice um but yeah i did yeah, as as with most things i'm i'm up for anything really i think i would do um uh... Oh my god! <laughs> I forgot <laughs> that
2: that play you really, really like, but you can't remember the title.
4: <laughs> no, because no, because no, Erica was talking about party time. What's the other one? <laughs> birthday party, birthday party. Yeah, the birthday. birthday party.
5: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would
4: really love to do that if possible, and also revisit old times again. Like, because I, I think there's more to squeeze out of that <laughs> Yeah.
5: Well, all I can say is be, choose me, choose me. (laughs) Funny you. (laughs) I've still got the cowboy boots.
0: And with that, that's the end of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all for your thoughts and memories. Thank you. Thank you to everyone for listening in. Uh, For more episodes of Tell Great Stories and lots of other great audio and video content, head over to unboundtheatre.co.uk or look up Unbound Theatre on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or Soundcloud.